In a world where everyone can be so judgmental, this podcast takes the time to analyze daily dilemmas and controversies and provide unbiased information and research to help you make sense of life's complicated issues. Dr. Nikki is a clinical neuropsychologist who integrates her knowledge of psychology, neuropsychology, and culture to process current events and cases in an empathic manner from various perspectives. If you are ready to become more open-minded, come be the critic on our couch. Hello and welcome back to The Critic's Couch. I am your host, Dr. Nikki, and as usual, I like to take this time to talk about various controversial topics, current topics. And probably one that I think most people can relate to is alcohol use. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about alcoholism. I am talking about alcohol use. You know, when the COVID pandemic first started. Well, prior to COVID, I would say that most people, including myself, would be social drinkers. You would go to a party, an event, and have a drink. I definitely was not the type to have a drink every day. Interestingly enough, when COVID started, my husband and I were having like a glass of wine for the first couple of weeks, almost every day. And probably in week two, my husband kind of pointed out to me, it was like, you know, I just realized we've had a couple bottles of wine. And so uh, we made a quick change in that and decided, mm, no, we weren't going to fall into that trend. But one of the things that I started realizing is that that was becoming common. I think in general, as a public, many people felt anxious when the pandemic first started. We had a lot of uncertainty that we were dealing with. And studies have shown that that was something quite spread. Um, I know in a recent article that I read from Columbia, they reported that there was a significant increase in retail alcohol sales during the beginning of the pandemic, reaching a plateau in the third quarter of 2020. Interesting enough, as we know, restaurant alcohol sales were down because many of them closed. From March to September 2020, there was $41.9 billion in liquor store sales, representing an increase of 20% and 18% compared to the same period in 2019 and the previous seven-month period. That is a lot. From August to February 2020, same thing. Likewise, food and drinking place retail sales, as I mentioned, decreased by 27%. What does this tell us? People were drinking a lot more at home. A lot. Now, those of you that are now becoming familiar with me will know or learn that one of my vices is watching The Real Housewives (laughs) and different reality shows. But one of the things that did strike me um, in the different episodes, um, New York particularly, it really did show a lot of drinking, um, alcohol consumption. Now, most recently, an article uh, came out talking about Luann de Lesseps. As some of you may know, she is one of the the main figures in The Real Housewives of New York, uh, formerly known as the Countess. And apparently, uh, St. Patrick's Day, she was at a midtown piano bar in Manhattan, and um She, according to patrons, was obviously intoxicated and refused to share the mic. Uh, This resulted in some arguments with the crowd. And eventually she got kicked out. On her Instagram, she reported that she wanted to apologize to the staff 
at this piano bar, which is known as the townhouse, for her offensive behavior. And she did mention that, you know, she is still struggling with alcohol. She's someone that had to undergo rehab and stop drinking for a long time. And um, slowly it has crept back in. So listen, I think, you know, for anybody who, you know, does consume alcohol, which is a good portion of the population. Actually, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, um, a survey that was done in 2019 shows that 85% of people ages 18 and older consume alcohol at some point in their life, right? 70% have reported drinking in the past year. Fortunately for many, uh, this does not develop into a drinking problem. However, we do know that about 30% of men and about 23% of women do tend to binge drink. Now, I know that when we think of alcohol, I think people don't look at it as a drug, but it really is. It's classified as a central nervous system depressant. Again, when think of alcohol, they think, oh, it's happy, it's great. That's not the case. When we think of what alcohol does, it means that when we drink alcohol, it slows down the brain functioning, the neuroactivity, and, and it further reduces the functioning of various vital functions. Now, here we go again. Um, this is due to the fact that there is increased production of what is known as inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA amino butyric acid or what is known as GABA, okay? When someone consumes these large quantities of alcohol, uh, specifically more than the body is equipped to process, there is a resultant depressant. Now, most of us can tell when someone's had a drink, even if they are not inebriated, right? People act differently when, when they drink. So it's important to understand alcohol is a drug. It delays our reaction time. It impairs us cognitively. It can lead to slurred speech, right? That's what we see when someone's very intoxicated. Um, an unsteady gait, poor coordination, distorted perceptions, lessened inhibitions. Listen, I think many people, I'm sure you could probably relate, have either said something or done something while intoxicated with alcohol that they have at some point in their life regretted, right? You know, it lowers our inhibitions. You know, we'll tend to do things and say things that we normally would not do and therefore be regretful of it afterwards. Um, distort our judgment and overall allows us to become sedated. Now, it's important to know that in small quantities, right, it is also proven to have a stimulant effect. I know that sounds confusing because you say, wait a minute, you just told me it was a depressant. Yeah, in larger quantities. But initially, when someone starts drinking, right, this is why people like to drink in parties, because it gives them, you know, this happy feeling. They become more talkative, overconfident. I remember I had a, uh, I have a cousin of mine that when we were younger and we would go out, he, you know, would like to drink right before going out. And, you know, I asked him, well, why is it you have a drink? Why don't you wait till, you know, we get to the restaurant? He says, you know, it gives me that that liquid courage, right? You guys have heard of that explanation. It allows you to be overconfident, sometimes too confident, which can create problems. At the moment, 
They could be an improvement of mood, um, but quite often it can also cause an increase in blood pressure and heart rate because it does constrict our blood vessels. People don't understand that and does create this feeling of euphoria, right? But it's a false feeling of euphoria. Unfortunately, if you, you know, experience this stimulant effect, you have a greater chance of um, developing an alcohol use disorder. So, you know, it's important that if you consume alcohol, which again, many of us do, it's something you have to monitor. You know, if you are going through a difficult phase in your life, you should not drink. A lot of times people do the opposite, right? I'm upset, so I'm going to drink. I just broke up. I'm going to drink. No, no. Remember what I said. Alcohol is actually a depressant. It's also important to understand that alcohol can be both physically and psychologically addictive, okay? From the physical aspect, you know, alcohol stimulates the release of endorphins and dopamine. And, you know, in this podcast, we will talk about the effects of many of these different disorders, different things that go on in our life and its impact that it has on us physically and in our brain. And endorphins and dopamines, those are those neurotransmitters that make us feel happy, that give us pleasure. So of course, if you are feeling down and you end up drinking, you don't want to feel down. So you may continue drinking. Now, we also know that not everybody who drinks becomes addictive, right? But studies do show that some people's brains release more euphoric chemicals in response to alcohol than others. But it is important to understand that alcohol can actually cause physical changes to the brain's chemistry and therefore its functioning. The brain's reward and pleasure centers it becomes our overloaded, right? It's like if it's constantly getting this feeling of euphoria, it kind of continues to want it. So when an individual consumes alcohol regularly, it can then result in these cravings and, you know, obviously drinking habits and behaviors. Now, besides the physical component, let's talk a little bit about the psychological um, addictive qualities of alcohol. As I mentioned before, listen, when COVID first started, it was like, oh, what's going to happen here? And it was easy to pick up a glass of wine. Um, and I think, unfortunately, for some people, that becomes a way of coping with stress and anxiety or any other, you know, emotion or feeling that's uncomfortable. So keep that in mind. If you are going through a difficult time, this is definitely not the time to pick up a glass of wine. So it's important to kind of ask yourself, okay, it's one thing you decide to, you know, have two or three uh, glasses of wine throughout the night and an event. But when is alcohol a problem? When can you consider it a problem? Certain things you want to look for. Number one, increased tolerance. Does it take more alcohol for you to get the same effect? Any trouble stopping? You know, does the weekend come and you have to have a drink? I know sometimes people say, well, I don't have an alcohol problem because I don't drink every day. Mm, keep that in mind. Do you need to drink? to make yourself feel good. Hmm. Is there an unhealthy amount of time that you may spend thinking about drinking? Some people that will um, go to work, function fine, and before heading home, they're already thinking about the beer that they're going to have. That's an unhealthy focus if you constantly have to find yourself thinking about uh, the alcohol you're going to consume. Drinking alone. 
Social drinking is just that you drink when you're socializing with others. If you find that you are at home or wherever by yourself and you're drinking and this is a frequent behavior, that is definitely something to look at. For some people, believe it or not, first thing in the morning, they wake up and they may have a drink. Is it causing problems in your relationships, whether it's with your significant others, your your parents, your siblings, uh, work? And that's another factor. Do you find a decreased productivity? Have you been neglecting other things because of your drinking? Another factor is if you're having physical symptoms. That's when we know if indeed that this has really escalated to another level where now your body has become physically dependent on it and you may experience nausea, sweating, and shakes. And then, of course, behaviors where you are more promiscuous and also having blackouts. So what are blackouts? Because a lot of people report having blackouts. And these are gaps in a person's memory for events that occur while they were intoxicated. The person is awake. They are talking. And quite often they find out the next day, oh, you know, you did this and you jumped in the pool and you said this. So these gaps happen when a person drinks enough alcohol to temporarily block the transfer of memories from short-term to long-term storage known as memory consolidation. And again, this is the brain area called the hippocampus. Now, blackouts tend to begin at blood concentrations of about 0.16%, nearly twice the legal driving limit and higher. Obviously, during these periods, impulse control, attention, judgment, decision-making are all impaired. And for people who maybe take um, other medications such as for sleep and anti-anxiety medications or psychotropic medications, they can actually occur at a lower uh, blood alcohol concentration level. They also tend to happen when the alcohol enters the bloodstream quickly, like doing shots, for example, and tend to happen more with women, obviously because they tend to have lower weight and have less water in their bodies to, to process the alcohol. So for example, if a woman has like four drinks or a man five drinks in two hours, there's a great chance of having a blackout. Now, does this mean if you have a blackout that you're an alcoholic? No, but the frequency of blackouts predicts other alcohol-related consequences and should be a, a reason for concern for the individual who's consuming the alcohol. If you are an individual who finds themselves experiencing blackouts, it's one thing if it happened one time, you know, or maybe twice. But if you're seeing like this is something that's occurring, even if it's, you know, once a month, it's something you need to pay attention to in terms of your your drinking and your frequency. So, you know, I'm, I'm not here to preach not to drink because I do consume particularly wine and champagne, (laughs) Prosecco. (laughs) Um, But it is important to truly understand that alcohol is a drug, that it can have detrimental effects to your mind and body. So it's something that has to be done responsibly. And your challenge, this is your challenge. I want you to, and I know some of you are going to be like, no way. Well, this should tell you something. Can you go to a month without drinking? no wine, no beer, nothing. You will find that um, you may get some really good clarity in terms of your brain, how you're able to think, and how your body will feel. If you just go one month 
without consuming any alcohol. Uh, you'd be surprised of the benefits of not drinking. So this is your host, Dr. Nikki, encouraging you to uh, drink <laughs> responsibly. I sound like a public service <laughs> announcement. <laughs> But again, thank you for listening so much to The Critic's Couch. And I hope you have a blessed day. Bye.